0: Some amazing things really happen to us as we're trying to sort through life and trying to follow God. Sometimes we think we need to forgive a person, and we forgive, and we forgive, and we forgive, and we forgive. And we think badly of ourselves, when maybe what you need to do is to stay away from that person who is troubling you. We had a woman in our church group for 39 years who troubled us. It was just incredible. She even followed me to Lubbock, Texas. Uh, She lived in Houston, and I moved from New Mexico to Lubbock, Texas. She called me one day and said, I'm moving to Lubbock. I didn't try to stop her. I, I didn't do anything. She moved to Lubbock. People in our church group thought, well, that'd be nice. See, the church group is not in the same city. I was on radio from coast to coast. So these people are scattered all over the United States. It's not like you think of church groups. You think they're in one city, and they have a building, and they meet. Well, nobody else from our entire church group was in Lubbock, Texas. So people in our church group thought, oh, this will be nice. You can have dinner together. You can go places together. It was a disaster from the beginning. We tried to go to the mall and walk. And Sandra said, I can't walk with you. You walk too slowly. And I said, well, I don't think I can walk faster. And this was back when I was in my 60s and much better condition. Now I can't walk at all. She would really hate it. We didn't match on anything. One time we tried to go see the fireworks on the 4th of July. She got in my car and we started out. We got about half a block and she was fanning herself and said, Oh, I can't take this. I can't take this. And so I said, Well, wait a minute. I'll turn more air conditioning on. We just had such tremendous problems. And I felt bad about it. And I always felt after we had a problem, Oh, I've just done it again, and I just really couldn't stand having her come over to my house. And she's in our own church group, and has been since 1980. What happened? What was wrong? Well, here's here's a little clue. One time she called me and said, uh, would you help me go with me and help me find a light fixture for my dining room and i said yeah i'll meet you at the electrical store i lived sort of catty-cornered from her in town and i drove over to the lighting store and she met me there we went in and i instantly saw a light fixture that would work even from the front door of the lighting store i saw a light fixture that would work but i didn't tell her because it's her house I was just kind of along for the ride I expected her to find the light fixture and then she'd say how about this one and I would say oh that looks really nice I think that you would like that and then I'd leave that is not what happened I went to the little seating area they had in the light fixture store and I sat down and waited for her and probably it took her 20 minutes to look at all the light fixtures she came back to where I was sitting and I said, well, did you find something you liked? And she said, no, no, I didn't. And I turned around. I said, well, that one would work. And I pointed to one. And she said, well, it would work. And that was the one I'd seen when I entered the door. So we got out to the car. And I said to her, Sandra, did you pray before you came to look at light fixtures? Because I did. I prayed that we'd find it fast and not have to go all over town. I said, did you pray before you came to look at light fixtures? And she coyly said, no, because I knew you would. Oh, now there's the whole essence of the thing. It was always depending on me. That's not going to work. Well, in the first place, I won't let it work. In the second place, God won't let it work. I'm not going to be your God or anybody else's. And that was the problem with her. She was wanting me to be God. I doubt she's born again. I don't think she has the Holy Spirit. I don't think she's led by God. I mean, just incredibly strange things would happen. One time she called me and said, I've dug a two-foot hole going from the back of my house into my yard and going all the way down my house. Now, would you come over and tell me what I'm going to do with it? I mean, this is just insanity. I don't know what was wrong with her. I suggested to her at one point that she might need medical help, that maybe something was wrong with her from a sugar standpoint or something. People are always talking about that. I don't know, but I don't think she was born again. I don't. I know that wasn't the Holy Spirit leading her to dig a hole at the back of her house. When, when she didn't know what to do with it. It was stuff like that. And it just drove me crazy. 39 years. For 39 years. She was nothing but trouble. And I would feel so guilty, and I would tell Oh, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And then, I of course, we go through a forgiving her. She couldn't help it, making all kinds of excuses for it. I'll tell you what God has taught me recently. Titus chapter 3. Let's read that. Because the whole key is, if God is not teaching a person, if he's not teaching her, you can't teach her. You can't teach her. She can't hear spiritual things. If God is not teaching her, she can't hear spiritual things. You must be born again. And it wasn't that she was rejecting being born again. She just wasn't chosen by God. I don't know if she'll ever be. I'm not around her anymore. That, too, was a miraculous story. I had fallen in 2018. I fell at the house I lived in at Texas. It was a real bad, serious problem. They got me to the hospital. They did reconstructive surgery on my left wrist, and I had a broken hip, left hip. I'd already broken it 10 years before. And they were giving me narcotics at the end of the surgery. I was standing, I mean, I was lying in bed. And I saw her standing at the foot of my bed. She had on a bright red big shirt, which she wore bright red a lot, and blue jeans. And she stood there and looked at me. And then she just turned her back toward me and went through the wall and disappeared. I thought I was having a drug hallucination from all the pain medicine. After they transferred me to the rehabilitation hospital, Sandra came over. She sat down beside my bed, in the chair beside my bed, and she said, I don't care about anything or anyone any longer. I don't care about the Bible. I don't care about the blog. I don't care about anyone. I said, I was shocked, and I said to her, but what's going to happen to you if you don't care about the Bible? What's going to happen to you? And she said, I don't want to discuss that with you. She got up at that point and went into the bathroom that was in my room. A nurse's aide came in just at the same moment that she went in the bathroom. I called to her and I said, Sandra, don't leave. Uh, Wait until this nurse leaves. I heard the door open while the nurse's aide was working with me. I saw Sandra sneaking out of the room. It was exactly like the vision I had been given in the hospital. That was not a drug-induced vision. That was a vision from God showing me what was going to happen with Sandra. And that's exactly what happened. She turned her back on me, and disappeared. I talked to her once after that, or a letter I heard from her, and she said she apologized, and she said, I had no mercy when I did that to you. I was totally helpless in that hospital, totally. I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom. They had to make me wear diapers. I was really helpless. It was a bad situation. Anyway, she said, I had no mercy toward you, I wrote to her and I said, hey, don't worry about it. You've been a nothing but a problem to me for 39 years, and I was delighted when you disappeared. That's the first time I've been free in 39 years. So please don't worry about it. See, she she didn't need to be forgiven. I didn't need to forgive her. She didn't need to be forgiven. I didn't need to pray for God to forgive me. I just needed to walk away from her. There's no way I could teach this woman, because God wasn't teaching her. So in Titus 3, we see a man that is an heretic. That's one that turns from the truth. She wasn't exactly turning all the time from the truth, but she couldn't hear the truth, and she couldn't keep up with it, and she was terribly mixed up. A man that isn't heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. She did want me to be her God. And I, I didn't want to be her God, but I didn't know what to do. I know now. Don't keep teaching a person if they can't hear you. Just walk away from them. That's what we do. There's another woman, a Catholic woman. And she was in Arizona visiting her parents i went down to barnes and noble and picked up one of the catholic bibles and read to see if this verse is in a catholic bible call no man your father call no man father Uh, matthew chapter 23 i think it's verse 9 i didn't know if it's in the catholic bible or not if i'd been running the catholic bible i wouldn't have put that verse in there and then told the catholics to call their priest father well, priest in the first place isn't even a New Testament term. We don't have priest in the New Testament church. We have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Ephesians four eleven twelve. 12. Priest is an Old Testament term that the Catholics use. But they teach their people to call their minister's father. And Jesus said, don't do that. So I sent this scripture to that Catholic friend. I didn't hear anything from her for about three weeks. And then she contacted me by email and said, thank you for your message. And she went on with some kind of chatter about what she'd been doing in secular terms. She came back to Lubbock. And every once in a while, we would go have dinner together. And she would say to me, well, at church Sunday, and I knew she was going to that Catholic church and calling those men father. She didn't pay any attention whatsoever to the scripture that I sent to her. See, that's what he's talking about here. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself, of what he does. He's condemning his own self by that thing that he does and the thing he says, which troubles you. When a person keeps troubling you and they call themselves a Christian and you tell them counsel and they don't do it, you've got to walk away from them. You can't keep teaching them. You're going to be pulling yourself down with them. You are never going to be in a state of peace with that person because everything that person does will trouble you. If they call themselves a Christian, you just can't do it. Because when Jesus comes for the church, Peter says, be diligent that you will be found in him, of him when he comes in peace without spot and blameless. You cannot be in peace with these people who will not do the scriptures and who cannot follow God. If you can follow God, You just can't do it. It's like light and darkness. Go in your room tonight. Turn on the light and see what happens to the darkness. What does it do? It flees. You just absolutely cannot be in there. You can't be with them. You can't follow God with these people that call themselves a Christian, but yet they don't do the scriptures if you are doing the scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, The Apostle Paul tells us they will have a form of godliness. They will look, they will say they're Christians. They attend church. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. They don't make use of the scriptures. They don't pray and commit all their cares to God. They commit them to you. You're burdened with what they're going through. Well, you have to walk away from them. In 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times. We live in perilous times. It's because of the people who say they're Christians. But they don't follow God. They don't follow the Spirit of God. They don't come to us saying, God showed me to do this or that. They don't follow Scripture. They go in an opposite way. We bring teaching to them. They can't hear the teaching. And sometimes you've tried to teach them for years and years and years as I did with this one woman. They, and Paul said they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's exactly what it is. They can't come to the knowledge of the truth. God is not teaching them. They are not born again. They are not Christians. We've got to recognize that. They can't recognize it. They will argue with you. Well, yes, I'm a Christian. I went forward. I was baptized. They will argue with you. But when they don't do the Christian things and they aren't following God, and you know they aren't, you have got to avoid them and walk away. Leave them alone. I have a cousin like that. First cousin. She's attended Church of Christ since she was a baby. She was 97 years old at the time this happened. I've told this story again. You may have heard it. It won't hurt you to hear it again. Jean wrote to me and said, Oh, I do well during the day, but I get so lonely at night. I said, Oh, well, that can be fixed. All you have to do is, when you start to feel lonely and being pulled down, turn to God and just ask him for help. Just say, Please help me tonight. I'm beginning to feel lonely. Please help me. And he will. And I gave her Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's verse 7. I gave that to her. I wrote it to her, sent it to her. She's deaf, so you have to communicate with her by mail. I doubt that she's still living. She was 97 at that time. The next week, I got a letter from her, and she said, Thank you for your letter. I do well during the day, but in the evenings, I'm so lonely. From that time on, I never had anything to do with that cousin. Walk away from them if they won't do the Bible. One time I told my mother, I said, Now look, you can go down, but I'm not going to go with you. It shocked my mother, and she said, I don't want you to go down. And she straightened up. And she even began to agree with Scripture, was born again, and when she died, I was absolutely certain she was born again at the time she died. You can't go along with them. All they will do is pull you down, and you will not get them to the point of being a Christian. You think you will. But when they show that they're not following God and can't follow God, and you keep trying to teach them, you're the one who's going to be destroyed. You've got to walk away and, and stop that. A woman sent me an email two or three months ago, and she just told me all these problems she was having. And, and one of them went all the way back to childhood, and something she'd done with a Catholic nun, I think she said. I halfway read her uh, letter. I don't read letters like that usually at all. I halfway read that she was having all these problems, and some of the things were now, and some were problems were back to childhood. And she asked me in her letter, in her email, she said, Could you do a teaching on forgiveness? She thought she needed to forgive these people. God said what she needs is to do Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. She's not praying. She's letting all these troubles pile up on her instead of taking them to God one by one and working through it with God and being settled by God. Now, I don't know if this woman is really a Christian or not. I knew her in a church that I attended in Dallas 40 years ago. But most people aren't Christians who are in churches, I've found out since that time. They have a form of godliness, but they don't do the scriptures. And Paul said, just avoid them. Walk away from them. Turn away from them when you see that. That's in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think it's verse 5 or 6. Just walk away from them. If you will do that, you will be freed from these people. And if you are not praying over your troubles, pray. Don't try to forgive. Pray. Start with prayer. If there's anything at all that you're concerned about in the future, if there's anything on your schedule that you're concerned about, is there anything you're concerned about? That simply shows you are not living in peace. If Jesus were to be turned this day, he wouldn't take you out because you need to be in peace without spot and blameless, according to Peter. So start getting yourself in peace by really seriously taking it to God in prayer and letting him establish you and show you what he thinks about the matter. A few days ago, I thought maybe I had just gone too far. I was kind of uh, said something to someone and I thought, boy, maybe I'm just gone too far. I was talking to God about it. He took, Here's what he brought to my attention. I did the same thing Elijah did when he mocked the false prophets elijah didn't go too far those prophets needed to be mocked and this man was terrible he needed to be told don't come into this house again get out of my room he needed to be told these things and god gave me an open vision all these people who hit me every direction they say they're christians they come saying they're christians and they dump things on me, and they bring garbage to me, and they do all this stuff to me. God showed me they're like vermin. And I saw an open vision of them coming from every direction. They came from the front. They came from both sides. It was like a wave, and there were big numbers of them doing this to me. God showed me they're like vermin. And the only thing I can do is drive them back with the Word of God. Or stay out of their path. Don't go where they're likely to be. In other words, quit that church. Stay out of that bunch. They're, they're vermin. You just can't be there. And you can't be in a church where they're teaching something opposite to the Bible. For example, the Bible says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Is that what they're teaching at the church you attend? Or is the pastor performing wedding ceremonies where the man who is, is marrying a divorced woman? If you can see it all, you can see this in Matthew five thirty two. You think you're not supposed to judge the church? Of course you're supposed to judge the church. You're not supposed to judge the world. But it's the church we're supposed to judge. First Corinthians chapter 5, there was a man committing fornication. And Paul was talking to them and he said, your glorying is not good. I mean, what they were doing is they were saying, how dare he do that? They were all puffed up. Paul said, instead, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul said in verse 11, if any man who is considered to be a brother come among you and he is a fornicator or covetous or an idolater, or a railer, or an extortioner. Don't eat with him. Don't keep company with him. Put such a wicked one away from you. Of course you're supposed to judge the church. The church is the body of Christ. If you have a foot that's hurting on your body, don't you judge it. I mean, you know, your hand knows that your foot hurts. With the body of Christ, you you can't live this way in the body of Christ. You can't live a secret life. At Word of Faith, where I which I attended in Dallas for about four or five years, our Bible teacher was committing fornication. He had a private life and a public life in front of the church. In his private life, he was going to bars, picking up women, and committing fornication. In his public life, he was teaching Bible class to us at Word of Faith. I loved this man. I went to him and checked on it when i heard he had a girlfriend and i said tell me about this girlfriend are you having sex with her because he was beating around the bush i said now just tell me about it are you having sexual intercourse with this girlfriend and he said of course this was our bible teacher i said oh you know the bible as well as i do first corinthians 5 I can't have anything to do with you. I can't come to your Bible class again. I can't keep company with you in any form. He said, Yeah, that's right. He didn't care. Look, this is what goes on. This is the real churches. The real thing. I have been propositioned so many times by men in the singles classes at churches. Proposition to have sex. I have an extremely shocking story I'm going to tell you. I was dating this man, and we went to a meeting at church. He said he was a prophet, the man I was dating. We went to this meeting at church. When we returned to my apartment, I asked him if he would like coffee, and he said he would. I went into my little kitchen to make coffee. When I came out, he was standing there in my little little living room, totally naked totally naked. He tried to grab me and force me to have sex. I broke away, got my car keys, left my apartment open with him inside it. I drove away and just stayed out at the side until I saw his car was gone. Then I returned to my apartment. This was a man from our church at Word of Faith. In Clovis, I had a deacon from a Baptist church try to get me to have sex with him. I knew this man's wife. And his children. I had been in their home. He owned a concrete business. He was a deacon at the Baptist Church. He tried to get me to have sex with him. I took the Bible and read First Corinthians chapter six. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he who committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It also says in that same section of Scripture in First Corinthians six, it says don't you know that at the time of, that you have sex with this prostitute, the two become one flesh? Don't you know that the two become one flesh at the time of sexual intercourse? You can't even have sex with a prostitute. You're going to become one flesh with the prostitute. We're so far from the Bible in the churches. We are so far. Well, you can't afford to be a part of it. Another woman in our church group, and she was with us for 39 years before the end happened. I thought she was a prophet. She used to, I would say things to her, and she'd say, I thought of that. And I kept telling her, well, you should share that with the church when you think of something. Our little church group. You should share it. That's a word of knowledge. And she wouldn't do it most of the time. And she said she called me, or I called her one day after I moved to Colorado Springs. Pam Paget, who's a member of the Body of Christ, I live at her house, and she's in our church group. But now keep in mind, we don't have a church building and meet together because we're scattered all over the United States. Pam and I are the only two in Colorado Springs. But I was talking to Barbara, and Barbara just got incredibly Furious and railed out at me, and she said it was like I had been throwing rocks at her all these years. When I tried to get her to share the word of knowledge with our church group, she saw that as someone throwing rocks at her. And she said all these years. And she began going back decades, telling me things I'd done against her. She was screaming so loudly that Pam, who was in the next room, and the door was shut to my bedroom. She could hear Barbara screaming through the telephone with the door shut. At one point I said to her, "Wait a minute, we need to get Pam on the extension where she can witness this." Pam tried to counsel her, tried to get her to settle down. She did settle down briefly, and then she started out again at me. "Well, she's not with us anymore. What happened with her?" She started out, I thought as a godly woman. But she went cold, stone-cold dead along the way. Used to be I could talk to her about spiritual things. It got to the point when I mentioned spiritual things, she didn't say a word. But if I mentioned the TV show, she jumped in and told me about the actors and actresses, and she had looked it all up on some theater magazine, and she could tell me who was having a love affair with whom and how bad they were, and all all sorts of things like that interest her. Now, what happened to her? Jesus told us in Matthew 24. He said, Because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. And that's exactly what happened to her. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end, keeping that love of the word of God alive, stroking it just like you stroke a fire in a fireplace. It starts to go down, and you poke it with an iron, and it'll flame up. Well, when we start to get cold in the Word of God, we pray, and we take those scriptures, keep them before you, look at them, start doing them. It'll flame up, unless you're too far along. Now, if you go too far with this coldness, you're going to be turned over to a reprobate mind. I think Barbara has. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Let's close with 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also, says Paul, that in the last days perilous times will come men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous bolsters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents I was like a mother to this woman she once told me I was the most spiritual person she'd ever met and here she rails out at me isn't that incredible but it happened they'll be unthankful unholy without natural affection truth breakers false accusers incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. They will have a form of godliness. They will say they're a Christian. They may attend church. They might be baptized. They might join the church. They might visit the sick. They might sign up for the stuff on the bulletin board. But they deny the power of God in their own life They deny the scriptures. They stop following the scriptures if they ever did follow them. So they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, Paul says, from such turn away. Matthew 24, Jesus said in the last days, and the sign of the coming of Jesus would be, He said, take heed that no man deceive you for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. They will come saying they are Christians. And you blindly accept them because they said they're a Christian. And they trouble you constantly and you're always correcting them and they keep troubling you. You've deceived yourself. Jesus said many would do that in the last days. The churches are totally filled with people like that. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Paul says in this chapter of scripture, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse in the churches, deceiving and being deceived. You have to wake up. You have to face this. I have made quite a few broadcasts on this subject of Antichrist in the churches. If you care to do so, you can go back and listen to those podcasts. Our blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortation. On the right-hand side it says podcast. You can click on that and see a list of all the things that I've recorded on this subject. If you're one of the ones who's having trouble with this area. Thank you for letting me speak to you today.